Welcome to the Ozone. Hello and welcome to the Ozone. I'm your host, Jeff Hazard, Assistant Director of Athletics and Sports Information Director here at SUNY Oneonta. And my guest today on today's show is head women's basketball coach, Daphne Thompson. Welcome to the show, Daphne. Thanks, Jeff. How are things going? Well, you know, it's the, that's a kind of a crazy world right now, but it's going best, best it can. Yep. Uh, so that's where I kind of like would like to start our discussion today, uh, talking about the current situation with the whole pandemic and how it's changed the way, you know, we've operated and how we are operating uh, in a kind of more of a remote virtual world uh, mm -hmm. space and how you've been able to deal with that. So why don't you talk a little bit about how, how it's gone for you? Well, I mean, I feel like September was a whirlwind and trying to adjust mentally for all, like myself and my athletes was, was a lot. Right? And I think trying to find as close to normal as possible was what I envisioned as I tried to pull myself up and put my shoes back on and say, okay, what would a coach, what, we gotta be a coach in this moment. We gotta figure this out and be able to help these students be able to navigate this new territory where they have no one to lean on. They don't have alums that can support them. There's not even like their professors really don't even know what to do in this scenario. They're all still trying to figure it out. So how do I help them be their best selves in a space that is so unfamiliar, even for their coach? So I said, let's just practice. Let's just try to get as close to normal as possible. I mean, I have students that are still work, like they were, are working, they're, they're trying to do their academic rigor and you know, some are home, some are in Oneonta, they're, they're just all over the place in what, some are traveling, like would come to Oneonta and then be home. And so we were everywhere trying to do this virtual practice. And when we started in October, the weather was nice. So we're outside a lot and able to utilize a few things differently than what we're doing right now, because we're pretty much indoors where they have to move furniture. And, and you know, there was one point where talking to my leaders, they're like, coach, where we only have this narrow hallway and there's two of us trying to navigate it. And like what, so helping them and trying to, to arrange a practice so that they could get the most out of it was also them giving me feedback, me making adjustments to the practice plan so that they could both work out in the same smaller space. I think that was uh, a good challenge for me. Like my own mental fortitude was helpful being, being able to just plan a practice and be able to listen to my athletes as to what their needs were and try to be creative and, and do something that they wanted to do. Like it, I, I didn't have to twist their arms to show up. Like they showed up, they did the work, and it, it, it started out because they were not fit. It started out like 35, 45 minutes. And, you know, now we're probably going, you know, an hour and 15, an hour and 25 minutes working out via Zoom. So, you know, we're going to put it down a little bit now. They're in finals. Uh, our intention is in December, we're going to try to do this once a week just to get to see each other and try to stay connected. And then in January, maybe go twice a week before um, they come back to campus. So they still wanna do it. They give me, you know, direction. So we've, we've used jump ropes, we've used, you know, lines, we've used ball um, to do some ball handling work. Um, we're doing a lot of body strengthening. So, um, and we've also been using the word of the week that's been created. And I've created a few, own, a few of my own words of the week so that we can utilize some of the things that the department has provided. Um, so, you know, you talk about the challenge, it was being remote or creating that remote kind of environment, was that, do you think that was the biggest challenge of this 
semester overall, or, or were there other ones that you had to kind of, you know, get through? I think the biggest piece that we, you know, that is most challenging is how to communicate. If you're only using one mode of communication, I think that it, it would, it creates this stagnant, stale um, situation. So one of the things that I created in September was uh, pods within my team. So when I needed to disseminate information or they had to watch a, something for the department that they needed to accomplish, I put it out in their pods. And they, there are like three, maybe four of them in the group and they would kind of do the watch it, have a brief dialogue in their group. And then when we came together, our time together where it was like a dialogue was maybe 20 minutes. So we weren't spending hours trying to have these long conversations on a Zoom session. So I try to keep our time, even when we're talking, because um, we all of my freshmen met with me once a week to have academic conversations, and they were 15 minutes. Unless they needed something, I didn't go longer than 10 to 15 minutes, trying to keep the time that we're actually doing it to a concise, so they could know in their mind, this is when we're gonna meet with coach. So we also had leadership activities. So they had um, community service group, they had a fundraising group, they had, you know, so they would meet separately too. And so instead of our leadership team meeting being an hour and a half, I broke them into little groups too. So we had briefer conversations as opposed to these big long dialogues that they didn't wanna have. Right. So I think the communication piece was, how do you navigate it when they're using this space all the time but still accomplish what needs to be done so that they're not overwhelmed. So now when you talk about this, uh, you know, the leadership piece and, you know, thanks for bringing that up because I know how important it is to your program and, and, and you know, just bringing leaders along, people who you think can help you do what you need to do. How now in this different environment, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. how much more important has that been for you? Hmm. I mean, leadership is critical. I mean, my seniors are phenomenal. Like, I, I know this semester wouldn't have happened without their buy-in, right? Like, they came every day and did the workout. If you have seniors who don't have a season showing up and doing it, it makes it a lot easier for the rest of the group to, to participate. And their buy-in and their conversation with them as to the importance of it really made my job so much simpler. And so doing those kind of taking the time to meet with them. So we do a, a book like the Jeff Jansen workbook. We, we utilize that. And so they do a chapter and have a conversation with me. And we, we talk about what it means to be a leader, both example and then also vocal. And understanding for me, I need a group of people to be able to represent the team when I'm having a conversation about what's best for the team. If you're only having one person, rep that person has to be pretty special to be able to be the vote, you know, that voice for the whole group. And so by a allowing a group of people to have an opportunity to share with what's important, it allows the whole team to feel like their voice is heard. So I guess for me right now, more is better than less when it comes to trying to, to grow um, leadership. Um, so uh, you're coming up on nearly 30 years in coaching at the college level, all in Division Three. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey, that's great. That means you've been, you know what I mean? You, it's, it means that you've been successful. I mean, we know you've been successful over that time as well. When was it for you that you kind of identified this leadership component uh, that you felt would elevate your teams, you know, to another level where, where everybody was on the same page? 
I think in the 90s, I didn't even think about it. Like the students, it was more of a natural delineation as to who was that person and people just kind of allowed themselves to be led by these individuals. And it really wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of conversation where you had to develop it. And I would say, as we kind of rolled into this new century in like early 2000s, it started to become pretty evident that we needed some help in being able to navigate conversations with our peers and that there wasn't this natural I'm going to follow this person because it was in their actual academic environment where they were being challenged to question question ask questions not always just do what you're told so that lent for that question mark to happen with the coach as well as with the lead with whoever the captain was so I started to have this thought process of how do I help build the, the bridge between the coach and the players more effectively. And this kind of is what's come out of it is to support because leading your peers is the hardest thing to do. Right. right. So no matter where you are in your profession, when you're trying to help lead a group of people who are uh, equal to you, it's very, very challenging and trying to help them understand that first level of uh, you're a teenager, you're a, you know, early in your 20s. How do I tell this other person what to do from for my success as well as the team success? Right. So um, I think that was where it came from. So uh, if you were to look at leadership as a whole, can you point to two or three things that you really feel are necessary to to get that good leadership uh, in your in your program? Well, I mean, I think. Uh, I talk all the time, even for my athletes who have chosen to be assistant coaches, that loyalty has to be critical, right? Um, and there has to be a trust factor. If you don't have trust that the person is speaking for you in a positive manner, then it kind of leads to this this negative environment. So I think trust when it, you're talking, the athletes that are in the leadership piece need to know that the, they can trust that their coach is going to support them yeah. when they're making those decisions. And that the person in the middle needs to know that their, their younger members or the other members that are not in leadership have to trust that they're going to support them and not be that kind of almost tattletale right. to when they're talking to the coach. So it's it's a it's like, you know, it's pretty delicate when it comes to that. And I think that trust piece is is huge. So daily conversations, right, like have to happen amongst those people in order for it to be successful. So I guess when you're asking what it is, it's trust, right. um, loyalty, and then, you know, a passion for what you're doing. Right. Okay. Um, so, of course, uh, you know, again, your, your career has spanned in nearly 30 years, but of course, you know, in other conversations that you and I have had, uh, basketball wasn't even your sport, really. <laughs> <laughs> like you didn't even look at it. And, you know, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you maybe found basketball and and we can maybe move through your collegiate career and, and, and how you got into the whole coaching thing. Okay. Um, well, I soccer was my first love. I was a soccer. I mean, and that was kind of my uncle and my aunt were very instrumental in us being able to participate. Besides the program in Oneonta, it was called J the JC program. It was the youth program that I participated in when we moved to Oneonta. That was where my first love for soccer came. And it was just something that um, I played with the guys. So like I had older cousins and my brother. And so it was just something that you kind of got pulled along to do and it was fun and I could compete with them in that, in that realm. So I, I enjoyed myself. And so then, you know, basketball just, I only t really played it in PE class and it wasn't a lot. It, I, I didn't see any success. I'd never really done it. So 
it wasn't like comfortable to me and I really had been taught a lot of skills in it. So I just didn't really, and really wasn't interested. And so in eighth grade, because there was no JV and no modified in eighth grade, the varsity coach said to me, I really want you to try out for the team. And I was like, so she asked another eighth grader. to. So it was kind of almost like, well, you're going to do it. So I'll do it. And so we both decided we would try out for this team together. And I, I had told my mother in sixth grade that I hated basketball and I never wanted to play. And I came home in tears because the coach had told me in sixth grade that I was going to play basketball. And I just had no desire whatsoever to play. And my mom said, oh, you don't have to play. It's fine. And now I'm the oldest. So, you know, there wasn't like someone ahead of me that was playing the sport that you could kind of just watch and right. learn from. So when I came home in eighth grade and told my mom I was trying out for the team, I, I don't think she really even believed it. And then when I made the team, the coach actually had to call my mom to tell her that I made the team and that I needed a set of basketball sneakers. So from there, I, I mean, and I wasn't even the tallest player. So there wasn't even like there was a need for this height because, I mean, they had a 6'3 player on the team that was two years older than me, plus a, a young lady who was a freshman who was 6'1. So for me, I wasn't even like, oh, we need her. She's got really, she's really tall. We should, yeah. you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, what this phys ed teacher, she was also the soccer coach, basketball coach, saw in me that said, you know, we really just need this person to be a part of this program. So I was fortunate that this woman really saw something in me and encouraged me to play basketball. And of so, course, um, uh, your career included, uh, you were the only, uh, Daily Star Player of the Year uh, as a yes. senior. And um, certainly, what was it, 1,000 rebounds, 1,000 points person? 1,500 points, yep. Yeah, yep. which is amazing. <laughs> well, one of the, the, I think one of the things that I, I always celebrate the most, and because I'm really kind of a team, teammate yeah. kind of person was, I scored 1,000 points in the same game as my teammate. We both scored our thousand wow. point in the same game. And it was just a real, like she started her freshman year. I started playing in my eighth grade year and we just kind of went through together and to have that kind of a moment was kind of cool. Right. And uh, of course you went on to play at the uh, University of Delaware. Um, mm -hmm. Why don't you talk a little bit about that uh, experience as a division one college athlete coming from a very small school as we would consider. <laughs> exactly. Well, I can say that they laughed me out of the weight room when I first got there. You know, like I couldn't really, I didn't understand this whole bar situation, trying to push it up. And of course, that was pretty humorous for the upperclassmen. The weight room was not my friend in the beginning. I, I grew I grew into that space, but um, I was the shortest of the four freshmen that came in. So they had much different experiences. I mean, there was no AAU for me to play. So most of my experience was playing with the guys or going to camp to kind of build my, um, other than my high school right. experience. So they ha definitely had, cause there was some AAU in some of those bigger spaces that they were coming from. So they had played at a different level than I had. So there's a big adjustment phase for me going to the division one level. Um, I had a, a academically, I mean, as I wanted to be in physical education and athletic training, there weren't a lot of choices at that point either. So, and I was so driven and focused about my academics that that was pretty much why I had chosen the University of Delaware. And, and, it, and it was a, a wonderful experience. Right. And uh, so uh, you had some pretty successful uh, teams as well. Uh, yes. You know, talk a little bit about what that was like to play. I mean, again, that's a level, it's Division One. Some people think Delaware, you know, would be a lower Division One kind of situation. But still, I mean, you were competing at a high level. Well, for the women, they only took 48 teams to the NCAA tournament 
when I was playing. So there wasn't the 64 pool. Not every conference got an automatic bid. So you were competing. At a, it was really trying to get that at large games that you could get credit for to be able to participate. So we played some pretty, you know, I mean, we played Villanova every year. Um, we definitely played Old Dominion and we, we played Wake Forest and we played, you know, James Madison. We, we had some really big, I mean, we played in a tournament in Syracuse. We went to Pitt. Um, so even though we were in the East Coast Conference, uh, we definitely got an opportunity to play some really, really big time schools. Yeah. Did you, um, when was it during that time, did you think coaching was going to be your thing? Mm, you're gonna you might laugh at this but um i mean i think i may have always wanted to be in coaching because i did coach in the high school level some soccer like the youth soccer i coached and being a physical educator i think that there was always in the back of my mind that i would do some coaching but when i started um doing my student teaching and in delaware the requirements for physical education are so minimal like they had i i, I saw a student once a week and in the in the middle school, they had phys ed every day for eight weeks, and that was it for this for the whole year. Wow. And when I did my secondary in Met, in Maryland, their requirement was you had phys ed as a freshman, and then you had to take one elective the whole rest of your high school you know right. experience. So their their physical education programs were like they didn't want to be there, and you were like just t taking attendance just to get them to they had a dress and if they didn't dress i mean it was just yeah. not the experience that i was looking for in education i wanted and so i started i was fortunate enough to get a um phys in the physical education department a teaching assistantship and so i i was able to get my graduate work paid for so i taught um five classes and i took three classes i was still working in the athletic training room to complete my hours and i i was helping i was basically volunteering as an assistant with the women's basketball program so i was pretty busy but i got to really engage in this environment where people wanted to to learn what you were teaching and i think that's where i really drew this whole like yeah this is this is what i i want to do i want to teach people who want to do this physical education so that's kind of, I think, where it came from. Now, uh, of course, um, young coach, right? You got your first job at 25, right? Or 24, around? yeah, 24, 24 uh, at Hartwick, right? Hartwick, yes. Head coach, here you are, 24, and yeah. so what was that like? Well, that, I graduated in, in May, and so I took the summer, I had a, June I had to sit for my athletic training boards, so I, I studied the whole month of June, and then so July and August, I'm like, okay, I got to start interviewing for jobs, and I, and I was applying for all of these uh, coaching experiences, everything from, um, you know, an assistant coach at a high division one level to some smaller uh, division threes um, as a head coach, so I had probably eight interviews in the summer um, prior to the Hartwick one, and none of them panned out. And the Hartwick job opened at the end of August, which was fortunate for me because let's face it, I mean, there were fewer people that were gonna make it, make a move that late in the year to because they were already pretty settled in their jobs. So I applied for the job and knowing that I wasn't sure what I was gonna be able to do, I actually had applied for an athletic training position and I had an interview for that athletic training position that was gonna happen the day after they actually offered me the job at Hartwick. So, you know, it's kind of funny where I might be, I could be an athletic trainer right now, right? If I hadn't gotten that offer. So it was, it was an interesting experience, you know? I mean, here I am, you're 24 years old. I've had my two GA ex years experience with my, my coach. Um, you're handed, I go in for the first day and they hand you the stack of mail and some keys and they say, here you go. And I said, well, what do I need to do? Like, what time do I have to show up and what are my hours? And the, the, my boss said, 
whatever, whatever you need to do to get the job done. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just like, I mean, you go up and you sit in your office, you go, okay, so what is, what is, you know, like trying to build this idea of what it is to be this head coach. And so fortunately for me, the senior on the team was phenomenal, right? Like an all American. And the freshmen that came in, the two of them were so, like I didn't have point guards. So they were so talented that either they played the four or the point guard. So in my first year, whenever I didn't know what to do, I just told them to give the ball to Kelly. I said, and, and just give the ball to Kelly because Kelly could just make things happen. And it, right. she made me look really good. You know, when you have, <laughs> you know, you're over 500 wins in your first year and you got the job in September, you're, you're doing pretty good. But it really came down to I had I had some pretty good players for right. Right, still there, you know, and the freshman class coming in was fairly talented. So I, I lucked out yeah. for, with, with my initial start. Now, uh, during that time, was uh, Nick Lambro still the coach at Hartwick? Who was he was a huge um, mentor when it came to basketball. Well, that's why and I was, was going to wonder yeah. how, like, how influenced mean, were you by Nick and what he did with their men's program? Well, my husband played for him. Yeah. So that made a difference, too. So I already had, you know, almost a connection to him. And it was easy for me to ask questions and to sit in on his practice. And, you know, I'll tell you a funny story about Nick. I mean, he was not afraid to tell me, like, you should have done this. Yeah. So we played at RPI in a, in a pretty intense game. And um, we had a last check. We had a, I got to call a timeout. We had a last play to set up. And I ran this play through my, you know, leading scorer at the time. And we got a shot off, but it really was a, a bust. Like, it didn't yeah. just didn't, didn't happen. And so the next day in practice, he comes in and he says to the group, let me show you what you should have done. Like he announces it to the whole, right, the whole team. So my team is like looking at me like, what's she going to do? Like, is she going to lose her mind? Like, and so I just let him go. He put in two inbounds plays. Like he just put them in and the team is still like hesitant. Like, how is she going to receive this? You know, like here's somebody coming in and telling her what to do in the middle of this practice. So they ended up naming the plays Nick one and Nick two, and we used them the rest of the season. I did go to him afterwards and I said, Nick, you could really help me if you would just come in the office and tell me what I should have done. I would have listened. I would have wrote it down. I said, but you know, your credibility here for me is that, you know, I kind of need to know what I'm doing. So, yeah. so we, we had that kind of a relationship. He was amazing to have as a resource. And I have to also say the other really amazing resource I had was Anna Meyer. I mean, her, her ability to be able to coach, recruit, like I picked her brain on a regular basis. I mean, she, I was in her office just as much as I was in Nick's trying to just figure out what it is, how to do it. And uh, they, they were huge in my ability to be where I am now. Right. Just based on, cause of course, you know, Nick is a local legend here in Oneana. And I think anybody that meets him, you can tell right away, he's uh, very upfront, very honest. He'll tell you exactly yep. what he's thinking. But again, I think we all agree that you'd rather have somebody be honest with you than, than yes. try and tell you funny stories and not care. Um, and I could see uh, Anna Meyer as well, just knowing her from being here for the 20 years and seeing what she did with the field hockey program uh, over at Hartwick and you know a little bit of lacrosse as well, I yes. believe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just going to ask you, were there any other role models in the coaching world, uh, you know, maybe locally or, you know, that you kind of leaned on a little bit during those early years? 
Um, I, I think that there were death. What was interesting about Division three, because, you know, I mean, I was Division one and I thought I was only going to be at Division three for a short period of time. This is going to be kind of my then move on to the Division one world. And I think I learned early how how special Division three was at the time where people just wanted to help you like Glenn Bagley, who amazing coach, right? Like his for Ed William Smith, his number, I mean, what do you have like an 82% win record or something like that? Crazy. The number of NCAA, he, my first year, he called me every Monday to ask me how I was doing to make sure that I was doing this for the conference. Like I just had, it was a, he was amazing. And the other person is um, Kathy Ryan. She, at the time she was at RPI, she did finish her career. She played at Hartwick. She did do some teaching, I think, at Unitigo, and um, she went. She finished her c- coaching career at Cortland, and is now actually an athletic director at Albany High. But um, she also was somebody who would call me. And she was my travel partner, so we talked regularly. But she was also another person in that first year who just checked in on me to make sure that I knew about certain situations that needed to be done for the conference or see how I was doing. And it it was a real. It was really special, the collegial like support that I got as a first-year coach. So I would say that was important. And my high school coach was, I mean, instrumental in my, my wanting to be a coach and how to kind of navigate being that um, firm, like direction, education-oriented coach. And I would say my, my college uh, coach also, you know, she, I called her often, you know, and she, I would go and watch a practice you know, take a time and go down each year and sit and watch the team. Um, I think those are some of my real, you know, ins- inspirations when it came to staying in, in, in coaching early. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Pat Summit, I mean, everybody, yeah. I mean, I, I should say everybody, but as a as a early 90s and the success that she had and the way that she coached was certainly something that I um, admired. Yeah, um, when I was coaching college basketball myself as an assistant, I had an opportunity to meet Pat Summit, and you just, it's awe, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, it's Pat, you know what I mean? And she is, she's exactly who she is. Like, there's nothing fake about her. She's, again, another honest person. She'll tell you exactly what she's thinking. But, of course, she was another young coach that was kind of thrown into the thralls of this early days of (laughs) women's basketball, and and you had a you had to be that way in order if you wanted to succeed and and you can tell why she was so successful because she just never wavered from her values um so i really think that you know can you point to one or two lessons that you've learned over your college career to this point that you would say you know these are things that i just valued so much that i would never compromise um i would i mean i would say that even in conversations with my athletes about leadership, it's you need to be authentic. Like you need to be yourself um, and you need to understand that not everybody's um, gonna be able to play for you. Right. Like that you're, you're, you can't be the, the, that coach for everybody. Right. Um, it, but if you're trying to be somebody different than who you really are, it will come as fake. And I think that that, that is like, and you need to be able to buy into wh- whatever department you're working for, whatever the direction they're going to be able to, to embody that yourself in, in, in your program uh, as well. So I think one of the things that I learned early is it's better to inform before 
than to have to try to defend after. Uh, okay. So when you're in a situation, it's better to be upfront and say, this is what's happening and this is my challenge than to try to come from behind and say, well, I should have done it differently. Right. I think asking for help, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying, like being willing, like being that young coach, yep. you had to ask for help. And I think that's not something that's always as easy to do right now, because I think we have so many more resources where before I didn't have the same resources to be able to, I mean, we had a phone on the desk when I got there and this computer that I don't even know if it turned on. And so like you didn't have as much, right? And so we get so in ingrained in learning all of those systems to be successful, uh, whether it's film or recruiting or, um, you know, be, even just being able to use the internet to help your team, right? You can Google anything. Right. Before you had to pick up a phone and actually have a conversation with somebody or talk to somebody and ask, well, what did you do in this situation? Or what did you, and, and you know, see experience in a different way. Right. And so I think that whole asking for help piece is something that I learned early. Well, I, I would I would like to, uh, I think, ending it on that point, and I certainly, from myself personally, I appreciate your authenticity very much. I mean, it, I, I, you know, you, as someone in my, what I do, it's better to work with people who are authentic than trying to be something that they're really not. So I appreciate that, and I thank Thanks. you. Thanks. <laughs> um, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, sure. I know that we're in a virtual world, but I know we're all still doing a, a ton of things. And uh, I try and I'm doing something with all my guests on the show. I'm going to ask you five quick questions, and you're just going to give me the first thing that pops into your, into your mind. Okay, right. I'll do my best. Okay, uh, what's your favorite meal? My favorite meal? Yep. Um, pork chops. Oh, okay. Uh, my mother's sauerkraut and tomato. Like it, It's something okay. my mother used to make it for my birthday when I was a kid all the time. Wow, okay. Um, what's your favorite uh, movie? Gone with the Wind. Ooh, okay. Classic. As it was something that reminds me of my grandmother, yeah. right? I got to watch that with her. I mean, I have lots of movies, right, that I love, but yeah. that just has like a kind of a, I don't know. Means a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's your favorite genre of music? Well, at this present time, I would have to say it's a, it's a Christian base. It's what I listen to all the time. Okay. So I'm listening to a lot of Christian music, but I would say that it's definitely more pop and you know maybe even a little hip-hop at times because if you don't know what you're doing in that space you can't really connect with your team either so yeah and you and you do like to dance i do like to dance yeah, <laughs> yeah i do uh who's your favorite athlete all time all time wow like i i mean for me i mean magic johnson was someone who would come to mind because i i you know grew up watching the the lakers yeah. um but if i that's just a tough, such, such a tough question. I mean, I think that Cheryl, Cheryl Miller is oh, like somebody who, yeah, you yeah. know, as a young athlete, she was somebody that you kind of, you she know. Was, she was one she of was, those, what you would call uh, charismatic uh, leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. She, yep. she elevated the game of women's basketball most definitely. Exactly. Um, so I think I, if I had to say, like, I, I enjoyed watching her. Yeah. I mean, she was talented. Uh, and the final question, uh, the place you would most like to visit? 
the place I would most like to visit. Uh, at this point, I think um, Machu Picchu is something that I would love to do. I don't, I'm getting older now. I don't know if I could climb all the way up there, but I, I think I would like to do that. Okay. All right. And that, uh, that's uh, great. And uh, again, just want to thank you for taking time and spending it with us and, you know, wish you as we go forward in this new normal uh, to be able to uh, accomplish what you want with your team this year. Thank you, Jeff. Thank All you right. for having me. All right, no problem. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us once again for, uh, on the Ozone. And as you know, you can watch it on our YouTube channel each time. And you can also download the podcast from our website at www.oneonathletics.com. Thanks again for joining me, and we'll see you next time on the Ozone.